Welcome to The Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin is narrated by Mason Fair. The Key to Carowin, Chapter 6, The Living Room. I don't know why I remained to watch the girl through the night. Certainly not to listen to her fabricated stories, twisted and spun as they were, and surely not to protect the girl from the shadows that helped as much as they harmed. And yet, the night had the feel of unfinished business about it. I linger in the shadows. For once they serve a purpose. Sleep came to the girl and she left. I wonder where it is she goes when she's not with the girl. Does she even exist? Does she know herself here in this darkness where she can barely see others, let alone her own reflection? Perhaps she is found in the faces of others. Regardless, she is gone and I still stay to watch the girl, watch her seashore breathing and even venture to study the tranquility etched on her face. I envy her that, even as brief as the moment will be for her. I covet that sweet oblivion of sleep where there is neither darkness nor light. I once knew rest, deep and still, but no longer. A sigh and a turn, an interrupted breath, a sudden opening of green eyes that have become darker each day, learning their true color. And then I hear it, laughter and music, muted as though heard underwater but heard nonetheless. The girl sits up and turns to look into the gaping black hole that is her open bedroom door. She pauses, listening, then ever so slowly slides out from under the heavy quilt and pads out to the hallway. I follow in the wake of her pounding heart. Down the slumbering stairs, around a darkened corner, and into a white, bright living room. It is the light that catches my eye. Your light does not stick to people properly, but this light, this light is the people, and the music, and the clinking glasses, and the ebb and sway of those in the room, moving on the waves of drifting music. It isn't the light that is different, you understand. It is the people that are so very other. They don't fight the light. They move in and through it, letting it have its way with them, illuminating, disclosing, clarifying. Let me set the scene. The two chandeliers drop their rays down from their perch high overhead, their brilliance fragmenting into colors against the shine of the copper. Music wafts through the air, adding to the lightness of the scene. Strings and harpsichord, the sounds 
scratchy through the gramophone speaker. Men dressed in coarse black jackets and women in filmy white dresses glide about the room, some in time to the music, others simply walking, incessantly chatting with the people beside them. Everywhere is fragments of light bouncing off crystal glasses and silver trays. Food circulates and drinks are held aloft. The room has the scent of old wealth and the feel of cobwebs hanging in the air. It calls to your mind opals hidden under a coating of dust or perhaps antique furniture polished to a sheen. The scent of time layered down on it despite its rejuvenation. If you had seen the room and thought of these things, you would have been correct in doing so. The girl stops and gasps, pressing herself into the wall. She barely breathes. I remember this night. I had a hand in its making. Then out from the middle of that marvelous assembly strides a man. To describe him, one would have to use trite words like striking, dignified, authoritative. He is all of these things, and yet he is more. Lighter than air, he drifts across the room, seeming almost not to tread on the ground. Light clings to him in an odd way, reflecting from him without ever striking him. When he speaks, his voice is barely discernible, and yet one knows beyond any doubt what he has said, and recognizes, too, the command of his words. The man makes his way across the room, the crowd parting before him. He stops beside a young man, barely more than a youth. Yunin, the man booms, seemingly trying to make himself heard over the music. A clap on a shoulder, a shake of a hand, and an exchange of smiles. What do you make of the party? Is it not spectacular? Yes, Mr. Fitzwilliam, the boy nods. Indeed it is. Come, let me introduce you to my daughter, Elspeth. She is close to your age. She'll be better company for you than these stuffy old folk. The pair winds their way through the crowd. The girl follows, skimming the walls, all eyes and ears. Elspeth, Fitzwilliam calls as he approaches two women. Elspeth, this is Eunan, my newly acquired protege. Pleased to meet you, the young woman responds. And this is my charming wife, Adeline, Fitzwilliam adds, indicating the other woman. Elspeth, Eunan will soon be invaluable to our estate, but I am concerned he will not stay with us long if we subject him to the boredom of us older people. Might you entertain him better? Fitzwilliam asks with a laugh. Of course, father, Elspeth replies. Come, let's first find you something to drink, she continues. A linking of arms and a saunter into the crowd. Is it wise to encourage him? 
Adeline asks, watching her daughter's disappearing skirts where they are consumed by the motion of the crowd. Do not fret, the man returns. I am convinced Union will make a fine overseer in short order. She might do worse for herself. Hmm, was the woman's only reply. He will soon see about that. A step creaking, a light switched on, and the scene evaporates, becomes something entirely other. The girl standing alone in the gaudy light, the woman peering around, questions without answers. Sleepwalking, the woman pronounces. No, contests the girl. An aborted explanation. The girl is consigned to her room, to her dog, to the darkness left in the wake of the brilliance. It is a strange sort of emptiness. to Key to Carowin, a work of original fiction by Wendy Fair. Key to Carowin was narrated by Mason Fair, with original music provided by Serena Fair. For more information about this and other projects, please visit shifterspress.ca. Thank you for listening.